0: The Athletic. On, Hello. And welcome From the Rookery End. My name is John, uh, and this is the podcast all about a life following Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. We've just come out of Vicarage Road, and Watford have lost 2-0 at home to Brighton. I, I'm with uh, Colin.
1: <laughs> so I'm just looking at my phone, and I'm <laughs> thinking, yeah, I'm Preston, I have been there for a couple of decades. Coventry, haven't been there. <laughs> they're, on the, they're on the way back. Stoke. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, this August. Uh, I haven't really got a lot to say, John, to be honest with you, because
0: what is there to say? <laughs> well, we can talk about the game. Jason's in also. Uh, hello. And uh, we're just waiting for Michael uh, to, to pop up to us. Um, it's a weird game because it was a game of, I don't know, first half. How did you look at the first half, Colin? Because Jason and I were chatting, it's like, we almost got away with it, we almost got through it. We looked a little bit more organised. Yes, it was a bit boring,
1: but... Yeah, it was very boring, but it was also, it was worse than that, actually. I wouldn't mind if we had were set up to defend and to not concede in the first half if we'd done it with a bit more energy, but the, the reality was... How do you energetically well, because you, defend? because you press and you close the space okay, down I'll in look. your own half, and basically what happened was we just let them have the ball. Every player who got it, in a Brighton shirt, had about three or four yards around them, while we just backed off in two lines of four, and 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 we didn't press the ball. We didn't, so we were defending passively, if that makes any sense. Yeah. We weren't defending actively, and uh, and it, and then you make the t- you give the opposition so much confidence. To them. Well, they're not pressing the ball, so right, all our game plan is gonna we can make it work because here here I am on the ball. Heat my mates next to me. I pass it to him. I move forward. I get it back. They back off. Then I move it to him over there on the right. They back off. He's now in space. He pulls it back to me in the central area I'll get my shot off that, so say, but
0: they didn't do anything with it really
2: until oh, well, right near I the end had a, you had to make a couple of saves there were warning signs weren't there and, and like I if you're going to do that if you're going to be passive if you're going to play narrow and let the let the wide men and they've got two very good wing backs obviously Lamptey causes a lot of problems down their right hand side if you're going to do that you need to be tight in the middle compact and if cross, you're going to let the crosses come come in you've got to defend the crosses and they had two free headers i think there's one from a corner another from a a cross where they probably should have at least hit the target if not make it really difficult for foster so the warning signs were there and then yeah it's just so frustrating that we got to within a couple of minutes of half time and again if you're talking about having an organized side then what you need to do is concentrate for the full 45 plus whatever and if you switch off just before half-time and give a player that much space where he can just pick his spot and put it where the keeper ain't going to get it, yeah, you're asking for trouble, aren't you?
0: So that's, well, Hodgsonian football says that's what we would expect.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was what we expected, but I didn't expect it to be quite as passive. Also, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about, I mean, is there, I don't know how much um, value there is to talking about playing uh Tom Cleverly as a left on the left side of a four, and Kutsko on the right side of a four. Neither of them play in those positions. They looked like they couldn't cope with the, the threat coming down the, the flanks. That's not their game. They don't know how to track a runner, so they looked like fish out of water. And so we had a we had a midfield four, uh, all central midfield players basically, all in a line, and the two wider ones, as I say, Cleverley and Kutzka, didn't really seem to you know what they were supposed to really be doing, which is why they back off all the time. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to step in and stop stop a player from just having all the time in the world to pass it to whoever they want. You think, well, I don't need really play this position, so I'm just going to play safe. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take another step back. I'm going to keep the player in front of me, keep the ball in front of me. And actually what that does is it just makes the opposition relax. And they, they looked like they were passing it quickly. They were passing it accurately. They looked completely in control of the whole of the first half and we barely got a kick. I think we had twenty-eight percent possession in the first half. Twenty-eight percent, John, at home! Probably- I mean where's the ambition? Where's the ambition in the side? The players look frightened, they lack confidence, they, they didn't seem to know what they were supposed to be doing, particularly to those two players out of position. <laughs>
2: I think the problem is that you talk about the possession stats. The big problem is if, you, if you're if you going to concede possession and concede possession at home, when you've got the ball, you've got to do something with it. You talk about the, the ambition. If, even if you've got the ambition, you need to be able to make a pass. And the number of times we gave the ball away, and it started from the very first minute. And I think nerves was part of it anyway. First minute, Kiko, I'm not sure if he was trying to clearance or just trying to pass the ball to, to another Watford player, but he's given it straight back to Brighton on the sort of uh, t- near the uh, uh near the sort of between the 18 yard box and the and the corner flag. And from that point on it just sort of set the tone for the for the rest of the game. It seemed every time we got the ball we gave it away again. Kitcher we know his passing is not a uh, level it needs to be and I'm going to give him a little bit of credit here after you've after you, sort of, so, uh, I'm not bad-mouthing him, but so, the, the, what you've said about him. I I wonder if the backing off is not because he doesn't know what to do, but it's because he's what he's been told to do and play narrow. And because at times he was make, sort of getting in and making a tackle, making a good tackle, making the right decision. I think a lot of it was when he's supporting Kiko down that right-hand side. he's Kiko's been beaten, so he's then come in and sort of covered up, sort of cleaned up the the mess that's there and made a good tackle. But then he's got the ball and he's given it away again, straight away. And not just him, other players right across the pitch doing the same thing. Sissoko. Sissoko, what we've seen of him so far this season, you expect him, he can make a tackle, he gets the ball. And what he, he has been doing so well previously, he'd get the ball, he'd turn out of trouble, he'd find a bit of space, run with the ball, distribute. Didn't see any of that today at all until probably when we started getting going in the second half but that that was a big disappointment for me in the first half
0: so do you think Colin after what Jason said do you think that was the plan rather than a lack of knowledge that was just the plan because it makes sense it absolutely makes sense that that was the plan from Roy
1: if that is the plan then I think we are in a world of trouble and pain. Because if the plan
0: is... Oh, trouble or pain. Because yeah. I think there's two different things. Trouble, well, because I'm in, we're... I'm in, the club's in trouble and I'm in, <laughs> I'm in pain. Because trouble <laughs> is going down and there's always... that That's all oh, we're in trouble because we're going to go down. And general consensus is that's probably the likelihood of it all. The pain is living through it yeah. for the ni- next... 15-60. Hello, Michael.
3: <laughs> all right.
0: <laughs> if the
1: plan is, okay, lads, keep the ball in front of you, keep the player in front of you, don't press the ball, don't, you know, let them come into our half, defend the 18-yard line from, from minute one to minute 45, and don't concede a goal. If that's the plan, then we are in a world of trouble as a club, and I'm in a world of pain as a <laughs> supporter because I don't, we're at home, if we're playing City, all right, maybe, but we're playing Brighton, and I remember only only three years ago when I was, when I was a young 55 year old <laughs> that we were playing in the same league as Brighton we we felt we compete we could compete with Brighton palace southampton and yeah, and let me and, counter and, uh, and, that, me counter mean, that. Counter. and um and, and now i don't feel that we feel that we can that we didn't... F- the, if that was the plan, that saying, we can't compete with this very well-drilled, very well-structured, well-coached team, we're going to have to sit and defend and defend and try and keep a clean sheet to the half-time, and then maybe... And I just think, is that, if that's the case, then, yeah, I, it is painful, and, I, and we are in trouble. But I mean, I, I, I The fact of the matter is,
3: we've proved we can't compete with, with Brighton, and I hear, you know, I was... I heard people grumbling on Tuesday, we need to let the handbrake off, we need to go to them, we're near the bottom of the league, and presumably the same today. It was very, very quiet at Vicarage Road today, and I kind of understand that in terms of what was being served up. You've talked about the first half, very, very passive in terms of an attacking threat from Watford, but they were obviously trying to do a job. And what Colin was saying there about, well, Watford can't compete with Brighton, they've demonstrably proved that they cannot Deal with bright teams like Brighton this season. Brighton have got, but before kick off today, they had double our points. They're looking up the table and now ninth, eighth in the table. We are scrabbling around and looking like every inch of the Championship side. We you can't just take the handbrake off and go for it when every we've tried all that this season and we've been put aside by virtually every team we've played. So I think it's a bit. To be perfectly honest, it's a bit rich for, for, for supporters to be asking for free, free flowing, swashbuckling, go for it football when we've, we, have, we absolutely have given up the right to that. And that's not our fault as supporters. We, of course, want to be entertained. But the team and the club and the, the situation they're in means that they have, they have not got the right to just go for it because they've had winnable games and time after time after time, they've fluffed their lines. So what's had to happen is the desk has had to be completely cleared and they've had to go, right, we need to start from this point because it's like, like basically like potty training. <laughs> Basically, I was thinking, is he going to go chess? Is he going to do no potty training? Go on. Well, okay, we'll go from chess, chess, but we've had to, we've proved we can't play tra- chess. So, right, let's have a go at checkers or drafts, yeah. something slightly more simple. Here's an idea, lads don't let a goal in, and we'll see where that takes us. That's where this football team is at. Yeah. because look at the results, look at the performances. We've now lost six home games in a row. We're what is it, six, seven points. Out, away from safety, that doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen by accident in a season where there's so many other terrible teams around you that are available to get points off. We've 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 absolutely been insufferably bad for the majority of the season, and, and, and that performance to this afternoon. It may as well have been against any other team we've played this season. Wolves at home, Newcastle at home, Southampton at home. With with a few, precious few exceptions in the shape of Manchester United uh, and Aston Villa. It could have been any game that we've played this season. We look like a championship side against a Premier League side in a cup tie with a swingers chance, with a punchers chance. And we've tried different things as uh, the way the seasons Wingers chart. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like, I like those odds. <laughs> now it's getting exciting. Uh, and unfortunately, I've tried that, and I haven't even got a chance at that either. <laughs> I'm the one that gets left in, left in the side. While uh, yeah, my, my keys are still in the bowl at the end of the night. <laughs> I, 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 I think. That's where we're at. We have to... And it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's, dis, yeah. it's dispiriting as a fan to see that. But at least they're trying to do something. At least yeah. there is... They're oh, trying yeah. to build something. That. They're trying to dig themselves into a situation whereby they can perhaps nick a, nick a point, nick a win, onto the next, nick a point, nick a win. Because we have been so bad this season... So, so bad that we have no right to expect a result against anyone, whether it's Brighton, whether it's Norwich, whoever. So I think grumbling at this stage is... What have you been
0: watching all season? <laughs> well, no, Kelly just walked past, Kelly Summers, uh, she just walked past. She's like, big eyes, saying, what's Mike going on about. Just saying, Mike, I feel a bit disappointed within you because when you were on the television with her earlier, <laughs> you were lovely smiles and you're, come on here with your grumbling. Well, that's why we're here, that's why we do it. Jason, though, second half. The, maybe not handbrake off, maybe not go, 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 but he made choices to be a little bit more attacking, it sort of worked. I am a big fan of Loser. He does make his decisions. He does play his balls quickly. It paced it up a little bit. It didn't work. And Ishmael came on as well. A bit of rapturous round of applause for, for his achievements in Africa. It worked. It started to work. It did start to work. It was, it was very much like my four four two that I picked <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, a few weeks ago, wasn't it? With, with Sarah on the right hand side and Loser uh, back in as well. And. There was a difference there. I mean we've just got to go down at home, so they can't afford to just sort of sit back and, and let Brighton sort of dominate the game for the for the next 45 minutes, so they had to do something. And probably the two that came on, I was probably more impressed by Loser than I think Saar. Oh loser actually tried to make something happen. Saar did as well, but there was a little bit of rust there, wasn't there? He was not quite I mean, he's taking taking the defenders on, getting the balls in. Maybe a bit too high at times. A couple where he sort of lost under his feet. But yeah, that's going to be rusty. He's, he's played what one full sure. game or, or one one sixty minutes and, and a couple of some appearances since. October, November time. So that that you, you, you you're going to expect that he's not going to yeah. hit the ground running. It'd be too much to ask to expect him to to win the game single handed for us. Loser I thought I thought did very well. I thought he was distributing the ball well. In fact, it, I think his first involvement was a it was a superb bowl out on the right side for Sart to run onto, trying to get behind the uh, uh, the Brighton defence, um, and trying to exploit. The gaps that should have been there for Brighton, because they are playing sort of three at the back with wimbacks. That's where that's where the gaps were. That if we wanted to dominate the game, that's where we need to be playing. But we didn't have the players on the pitch, as Colin quite rightly said. We had got two central midfielders playing in those wide positions, and just didn't have the the the, the right players to to take advantage of, of the Brighton setup. So, yeah, to we started to do that. Dennis starting to play wide on the left. Still a big butt there though, isn't there? Mm. Again, we we are we're looking like we're dominating the game for that sort of first fifteen minute period, but too many of our attacking players, this great attack that we've got that hasn't scored a home goal this year, just trying all trying to do it themselves, yeah, and and just all disjointed and all wanting to be heroes. Pedro when he came on as well, he, he, and again, whilst there were positives, the, the end product wasn't there. And it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's just so frustrating. We, we, we're on top, we're not making the most of it.
3: Question marks for me for the first time, really. You look at the goals for column for, for Joshua King, and I, I don't think that necessarily represents his, his body of work this season. But he, he's now, Well, it's unfair to sort of really single anyone out, but you know, he's now, he hasn't had a shot. As a, and he's a centre forward, and he, we've played a home match, and he, and he hasn't had a shot, let alone look like look like scoring a goal. And I think the front line is collapsing under its own own weight. Really, I think you know, I, I sort of flippantly texted to, to, to the to the WhatsApp group: "Is Dennis getting paid by the touch? Because every time he's looking to cut inside, and when he did hit the crossbar, ironically, he, he had a better chance to shoot before because he still yeah. had to beat a man again." And and I think a lot of that is is down to confidence and I think a lot of it is because we just aren't scoring goals and you know I'd laugh now thinking about how often this season we've or I certainly have spoken about if we can just sort out the defence we can go on and and perhaps do well because we're looking good up front. And now it just looks it it looks like we've got a defence, a midfield and an attack. <laughs> Three sort of disparate sections that are vaguely know what, what defenders are supposed to kick it clear midfielders are supposed to attack and, and strikers and forwards are supposed to do skills mm. that basically feels like what it is and
0: it's but you, you said twice you said, first you said we, we, they've said right scrap it clear the desk let's start from here and you're moving forward it, it feels like we're not going to have enough games to sort this out but they are starting to slowly bit by bit by bit sort it out and it isn't enough
3: I don't think they are sorting it out for the for the reasons i, I just said I think there's no there's no cohesion there's no yes. cohesion there is definitely
0: yeah,
3: you know you can you can look at you can look at some of the players in in, in that we've brought in I thought Samir looks good I think he looks like a decent center back and I think kamara is obviously someone that you'd want in your side but in terms of what they bring to the side or what Roy Hodson and Ray Lewington have been able to do in the in the three three weeks or so that they've been here in terms of meshing this this team together into some sort of unit that is that is able to we talked about organised, we talked about, you know really, that's the basic stuff. Yeah. For an elite level football team playing in what is supposed to be the best league in the world to be organised and to be been to know your role and to be switched on and to be committed. That's that's the basics. You really need to be moving on from that quite quickly. And as we've seen this afternoon against Brighton, yes, a good side. But let's not go over over the top. They're not Man City. They are there to they are there to be got at if you with a bit of luck and a fair wind. And we're just we are just so far away from it. I think and I, and I think. <laughs> I don't, I don't know is what the answer is. It's just a, a, poor, a poor performance.
1: I don't think they have sorted it out because, as we said, right...
0: I wouldn't expect it, them to sort no, it no, out, right, yeah. They
1: haven't sorted it out. We, we just conceded two goals at home and we've defended better against West Ham and we actually probably defended better against... Burnley than we did today, so it doesn't seem that we're going in the right yeah. direction. Because well, we're going backwards, back, back all... backwards according to that coach. Well, we are going backwards, and it's back down to what we were talking about right at the beginning, which is if you're going to set up to defend your goal and not concede, you can't do it passively, you've got to do it actively. That doesn't mean that you press them in their own half, it doesn't mean that when you've got the ball you, you, you all go up together, but it means that when you defend, you defend in an active way, so that you cut down supply you cut down space you make it difficult for them when we made it easy for them they had the ball wherever they wanted whenever they wanted for as long as they wanted until they could find a pass and pick a pass and in the end mope sticks it in the back of the net and that is why we haven't really moved forward you can see though that there has obviously been work on the training ground with the defensive unit and what's and and the cost of that is that there hasn't been enough work with the the forward unit because they look like as uh Jason just said they look like three blokes or four blokes, whoever comes on or is on to begin with. They just look like individuals saying, "Well, give me the ball and I'll run at the goal and try yeah, and score." Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I, there's no plan. I couldn't. I was saying to the boat I like, "What's the plan? Where's the? How, you know, when you look at a team." And you, and you prepare for a game, you say, right, these are the ways we think we can score against this team. They play three at the back, therefore we can pull one of them out wide, you come in between them, pass it through, and then you, know, we, you, you have a plan of how you're going to score. It didn't look like there was any plan at all.
3: And, and, the, and the very telling thing, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, probably the most worrying thing of all for me, was what we did go on a, a rare foray into the opposition half. As soon as we lost it, it was panic stations that everyone looked completely bent out of shape everyone was sort of hurrying around to try and get back into what shape I'm not really sure and it felt like oh gosh if we and it was just if you lose the ball going forward and straight away you think ah we're in trouble here and if that happens every time then there's obviously massive, massive questions. And it's just so difficult because it felt like there was a bit of a, a re- an air of resignation after Tuesday night when we didn't perhaps get the point we deserved. So I think a lot of people have made their peace with this season, to be honest, after, after Tuesday
0: night. And it, fe- and it certainly felt like that in the ground today. But it felt a bit more negative in the ground today, I think, just because that, that, there's a lot of... It was, yeah, it was absolutely as flat as I think I've ever heard it. But there was a lot of nerves to begin with, and that never really, they never pushed it out of the way to make it a positive atmosphere when, to build on. When
2: Brighton scored, I mean, it was, it was flat from the first minute. And when Brighton scored, there wasn't really any reaction from the Watford sure. crowd. It was, like, it was just like silence. And again at the final whistle... Even I mean, okay, there, there weren't many people left in the ground, but even at the final whistle, in case you might get a little round of applause, but it was like completely silent, just nothing there at all, apart from obviously the Brighton fans at the other end, and that that felt different to me. And like you say, it feels like today does feel like there's it, it's a line. It's where we, do we go from here? We, we, we don't know.
3: We've shown what the issue is with our season in the, in that game, and we've shown why, for my money, there is no chance of of salvation. Good Lord, man. We, t- we tried to we tried to keep it tight couldn't do it and then tried to go for it couldn't do it so I'm you know I'm not going to blame Roy Hodgson for not playing an attacking side from the from the start because he can't afford to everything that he has seen or will have learned all the tape he will have watched hey guys check the tape it's uh, <laughs> Super Bowl weekend yeah. all the all the tape he will have watched will have pointed to the fact that this is a, a shambolic football side so he has to do that. He is being negligent if he doesn't set Watford up, but then having failed to for Watford, having failed to do that, he's got no option to do it. But he is being having his hand forced, I think, by the situation and by the lack of ability for for this side to to, to deal with what is what is necessary. That's the bottom line, and it's just for. of the season they have looked inferior to their opponents 85% possibly they just do not look like a Premier League football team and and I don't think that is Roy Hodgson's fault and I think people who are saying well why didn't we start the first half like we started the second half are missing the point by quite quite a wide margin I think Missing the points we are missing
0: the points. <laughs> That's for sure.
1: <clears throat> it's quite warm in Preston at this time of year. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream
4: TV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite
5: dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream TV over the internet now.
0: Oh, sure. Next
1: you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean? Airplanes. Stream Direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1 800 Direct TV. Terms
5: or restrictions apply. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC.
1: You are know, the main reason why Watford Football Club can call itself today the Original Family Club and we'd like to surprise you with something very, very special this afternoon. You know i becoming patron of the Junior Hornets. Uh, but to honour the legacy that you created, as I said, for what to be known as the Original Family Club, the board of directors have decided to recognise all you did over so many years to make this ground a safe place for families to visit. So it gives me enormous pleasure to say from now on, the family stand, which is down there, will forever be known as the Anne Swanson family stand. Congratulations, our ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Anne Swanson. That's yours down there now. That is going to be your stand. Oh. You oh. Oh. Oh, oh. Oh. oh, thank you, everyone. Oh. Thank you, so, yep. And you've absolutely entered, you're a legend here. As much as Elderly Grove, you're responsible for this being the original family club. So thank you so much, and we look forward to welcoming you into your stand in the very near future. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Anne Swanson.
0: Halftime was a beautiful time. Yeah. Uh, the best part of the whole day. Anne Swanson, who many of you probably heard the interview that we did with her, oh, God, two, three years ago now, um, when I met up with her at her house to talk through her time at the club. In fact, after I got home from the ground, I thought, hey, let's dig out that interview with Anne. And at the end of this podcast, you'll be able to listen to that full interview that I did with her. It brings to life why the club picked Anne and have named the family stand after her and why forevermore, the children and the families of Watford will be sitting in the Anne Swanson family stand. So that's coming up at the end of the podcast as a sort of tag on at the end. Well I got an email this week saying that she was going to be the patron of the Junior Hornets but they announced today that the family stand here at Vicarage Road will be known as the Anne Swanson family stand. Now for me that's i got a tear in my eye I'm not going to lie to you I do believe that out of the three stands that we have named after people she is the third uh, most important person to Watford's history after Graham after Elton and her part of that team she is part of that team and what, why we're Watford fans her reaction was so honest and wonderful wasn't it
3: yeah, absolutely, yeah. From where I was set over the other sand, she, looked, she seemed genuinely taken aback and hugely emotional. And it's an amazing t- tribute. Well, I'll say it's an amazing tribute. It's a fitting tribute and absolutely the right one. Everything that Tim said at, at half time about the hard work she put in. John, you'll remember only too well how she ran the, yeah. ran, ran the junior hornets and ran the family section. And you have to, don't you? To get things done, you have to be, have to be tough. But the reason that that was done was because of this commitment to families enjoying football, enjoying sport, and you look around at Vicarage Road today, you know, in a week where we're sort of hearing lots of stories about how is on the rise and, and hearing about stuff at other grounds where it's not safe to go to particular parts of the of the town. You look around Vicarage Road, and whilst you may not want to focus too much on the pitch, what's in the stands is a is a beautiful thing. It's families of all different generations. Coming here because they've felt safe and they feel like it's they're somewhere they're they're proud of and a part of, and that doesn't just happen. That happens because they have a vision to create that. And Anne Swanson was a huge driving force behind it. And he, I think it, it it also speaks to a little bit of what it was like here under under Graham and and, and Elton John. She was given free reign. Go and do it. Go and make it happen. How many other clubs would have would have would have done that? Not not very many. Certainly not at that time of uh, in in history. So I uh, wonderful uh, wonderful to see. her. She's obviously still fierce. She still loves the club. She still loves football. She still loves Vicarage Road. And I think it was um, yeah a really fitting tribute. And like you, I, thought, I found it incredibly emotional. It's nice when. A, a beer moth like a football club something so big and, and often faithless can can attach itself somehow to someone real and, and, and make that and emotion made flesh if you like and it, really nice moment really nice moment and well done well done to Watford for, for doing it
0: fantastic thing I can't I can't say how great it was to, to see her and that, that moment for me personally but we asked him, um, any other businesses Colin on our Twitter space oh, yeah. uh, our Twitter feed what 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 are other things apart from the pitch, apart from ownership and all the rest? Of it, what would they like to discuss? Red on the kit. Now, are you a red or a black shorts man? Black shorts. Ah, uh, do you enjoy the fact that there is no red apart from on the badge? Look at outside the Hornet shop. You can see that on the kit, the only bit of red is on the badge. Is that is that an issue for you?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> it is for some other people. I, you like, know I like black. I grew up with black and uh, black and yellow. Okay. And uh, and when the red came in, I was not a fan. Uh, I thought it was a misstep by Mister Taylor, in fact, because <laughs> <laughs> we are black and yellow. But um, uh, football is all about tradition, and it's also tied up with wh- what you experience as a child. And there was some kids next to me um, who were probably coming to their one of their first games. They looked like they were five or six, and they'll be used to these stripes. And they'll be they'll, in twenty five years, we we'll go. Why well, are there any stripes on the shirts anymore? <laughs> I was, when I was well, I was growing. We oh, had stripes, and we had sunbursts, and we had this and that. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of, of the red. I like the awake. I like it as an awake it though. Okay. I think we look fantastic. In our in our in our all red strip, but yeah, keep it off the home shirt, lads.
2: Oh, contro! I like, I like the the sort of yellow black yellow combination, the yellow socks and the black shorts. I think that looks quite nice. However, I'm also sort of partial, without being too weird, to a, <laughs> to a sort of three three colour kit. So <laughs> Jason, Jason, I'm all about the three colours.
0: Red I'm shorts, all. Socks,
2: no, 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 no. So the Scotland kit, the 80s, we like the sort of the, the dark blue. Shirt, white shorts, red socks. Or your Man United, red shirt, white shorts, black socks, that sort of thing. So why not yellow shirt, black shorts, red socks? What do you reckon to that? I'm all
0: about that. There was a great game, (laughs) mainly because I think, I remember Richarlison wearing it at Bournemouth away. um, That really early, second game playing for us. And it just looked, but I I, I do prefer the the home kits. You can look down there, you can see that, you know, it's not a red kit. There's red on it. And I just think the the, the the older shirt, where there was red trim, just much nicer. Yeah, I
1: can't, I, it's hard to
0: disagree with that, John. I was being a bit cheeky. There. <laughs> and my the other one came up was from an about Troy Deeney's testimonial. Yeah. Now this is something that's going to happen at some point. We're not quite sure when. I had this idea. I was after actually. DCW, DCW making me watch the 2002-2003 uh, season on YouTube, the 20th anniversary, the 20th testimonial, the no, second testimonial after two decades, of Nigel Gibbs. That was like an all-star game. It wasn't like a pre-season game. There was a pre-season game with it, but the, his actual testimonial game was all ex-Watford players. So here's my idea, and it'd be different, because they were all English boys because of that time. We have Europe against the rest of the world, and we put together all the players Troy played with during his time here at Watford and we have a Europe against the rest of the world. Uh, it's, it won't be like a pre-season game. It'll be like the end of the, end of the season game, and we all come to Vickers Road having a bit of fun, seeing all these players come back. I think that's the most fitting thing we could have for Troy.
3: It, it would be, I, on one hand, it would be absolutely lovely because it would sort of be a, a catalogue of some of the players we've seen, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. But I think the problem is we're doing it, talking about it now. It's probably bring a tear to most of our eyes at the quality of players that we've had through the doors here at W18. So what I'm saying, John, I'm not ready to talk about them yet. I don't want to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's a it's an interesting one with the, with with Troy. I mean, obviously the uh, the elephant in the room is we're going to be playing Birmingham next year, so we'll we'll get a chance to see him then, and we'll um, we'll perhaps have a ch- chat with him then. But I think it's um, yeah, it's that's it's a great idea and perhaps something that's worth worth doing actually just to sort of contextualise Troy's career and how long he actually was with Watford and the change that happened while he was here to have a look at the, perhaps some of the players he started off with and, and some of the players that he, he ended with good idea John put it to him <laughs> marketing at WatfordFC.com do it
0: <laughs> uh, oh what I did love today by the way the programme Oh, oh, oh head, retro, yeah. I reckon what, Jason, 82, 80... No,
2: 84, 80, 80, 85, sort of yeah, around yeah. that time, yeah.
0: Yeah, because yeah. the W, the W on that Watford logo, I said about it with this, this Herald and Poe shirt that I'm wearing, which isn't lucky, by the way. I've worn it twice now, and we haven't won. Um, it just looked like a proper old school, and I was looking at the back of it have they done a corner where you can cut oh, out and I collect fan appreciation out, yeah. we used to cut the corner out and collect those remember those Colin? No <laughs> <laughs> Colin was too cool during the 1980s <laughs> I, was,
1: I was running for my life I wasn't a junior Hornet I was, I was already an adult so every time I left this ground I just had to run as fast as I could and whichever direction was the safest <laughs> which actually is, speaks to the whole Anne Swanson thing because mm. it was at a time where there was so much violence at football that people just didn't go to football mm. except for young men and even the young men were terrified most of the time and so to, for a club to take on that idea of bringing families into, into a ground and bringing children into a ground and making them feel safe is kind of an amazing thing but yeah I was too old for the Junior Hornets um, as I say I was an adult running away from Arsenal fans down Watford High Street
0: it's just a, just an age thing, Colin. I think mentally you would have been fine in the junior.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might you put a thing up about away days. Uh, what was your after not a pleasant and you know great yeah. uh, performance or not performance uh, experience at West Ham this week? Uh, best yeah. away visits and stuff. Everyone was sort of what I found interesting. Everyone pretty much replied, li- likened a great away trip to what happened on the pitch, not actually. Yeah, yeah. The best away end to be in.
3: Yeah, that's because that's what I was kind of getting at. Because yeah. the experience at West Ham is so naff. What's the best? Um, what's Ooh. the best away away day? You know, when, when it's the approach to the ground and that you mm. see. I think what was it, there's good fish and chips at Grimsby, for example. Collins absolutely itching itching <laughs> to cool. go. Cool. So
1: two 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 away days that I particularly love and have done over the last few years. One is Carrow Road, which yeah. I think everyone loves going to Carrow Road, and I don't know why that is. The people are friendly, and it is kind of just all green and yellow, and you walk and there's lots of away bars and stuff so you can have a drink down by the canal it's very picturesque and then you go to the ground and it's the ground it's not too big you're quite close you've got a decent section of away fans and the other one so that's one that's mm. one and I love that for the positive reasons and the, and the other one I love is going, going to see the terrible cherries in that tiny <laughs> little corner of their Meccano set um, okay. because you just feel packed in there's only 1100 of you you've got to be in category A triple star whatever to get in and then uh, you get barracks and you get surrounded by the police and they've got cameras on you the whole time and you're on the deany schools were on the pitch and you know this is quite febrile. and i and i have to say uh i I do quite i do quite i do quite like going to that one
3: forest for me is a good one Mm. by the river by the river in the in the in the city (laughs) um, and it has
0: got a certain vibe at the stadium of the older stadium not 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 too produced about
3: the establishment that's nearby if that's what you're tittering about i got weed on uh, when no. I went to Forest.
0: <laughs> what, from above <laughs> down from below? From above, yeah, from above. How long did it take you to figure out that that's what yeah, it was? Everyone was
1: going, what's that? And they were going, ah! It's like, oh, I'm not coming here again. So
3: I think Forest is a good. Like, it feels like an old school one, doesn't yeah. it? It feels like the city ground. It feels good, good sort of footballing heritage there. And you definitely feel like you're in with a chance, but you're, you might come away with something. You might be able to sort of rub the, the forest nose in it. You win something, European champions. On the same note, I think Villa is one. It's got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of edge to it, going to that, that part of Birmingham. That's good fun. But I think if I had to choose an away day and money and time and no object, it would be it's Newcastle. I think as in terms of the away day, obviously the view's a bit a bit naff, but I just think day in Newcastle on match day is, is superb. If You know, everyone is black and white. It's the only show in town, the football, when, when Newcastle are at home, and I just think that whole atmosphere starts building from breakfast all the way through, no matter what time kick-off is. It feels like a real footballing experience but if, if it's the best ever away day that, that night at, pre, at Peterborough for me when we won 4-3 when my, my eyes nearly popped out of the side of my ears with, with excitement Watford needed to win really to keep their, their, uh, chance, uh, their relegation survival uh, alive they did it 4-3 loudest I've ever been in the an
2: way and it was, uh, that was good my, I think my favourite is QPR um, and, and I think the <laughs> Colin, don't laugh at it. And it's and, and he, a horror. It is a horrible, t- and it's he, that sort of thing. It's Bridges like, it's, it's like it's a horrible little uh, wait, Yeah, you're right on top of the pitch. And it's really tight. But then that sort of instills that sort of. Uh, you got, you got the sort of a lot of the. Uh, local home fans like to have a little bit of a dig right next to you sort of there on the right hand side in the, in the in the stand there oh, yeah. then also you've got sort of the pubs in and around Shepherds Bush before and after the game I've got a lot of friends that are QPR fans as well so I think it's, 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 it's obviously personal circumstances come into it and I, I, I've had a, a few sort of away days there where you sort of you're in town beforehand you go to the game you back out on it afterwards and you're sort of on the on the tube home late at night and, and it's just yeah good
0: fun good so fun to be had by all fantastic so far that several of the teams you mentioned do play the championship but my favourite one actually is Brighton away um, just because maybe this is me getting old I mean I do love the, the tightness of QPR and of, of Bournemouth but the, the, the fact that you can finish the game and because of the trains you can get another beer afterwards And there's space outside. And if it's a sunny day, it is the best place to be in the world. And Brighton
1: fans are some of the nicest fans in England. Very friendly. I remember them wishing us well.
0: But also, I always love an away day to Brighton because I have to go to the in-laws. And that ticks the box. (laughs) It shows, oh, I've visited. So it's it's a personal advantage uh, for me. Don't
1: think they haven't noticed that the only time we visit is when we play
0: Brighton away. (laughs) (laughs) It isn't the only time, just one of the very few. Um, Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Look, we've got we've got a bit of an
3: issue here, and one and that is that there's still 15 games. I know to go this season. <laughs> now, we are we going to do? <laughs> so, I think we need to make a pact now, us on the podcast, but everyone everyone listening as well. Yeah, let's we'll stay critical friends, and we will try and analyze what's happening on the pitch and at the club. There are obviously big questions that needed to be asked. It looks like we're going to have plenty of time. To delve into those questions, and it and it feels like that the club have got now probably with a, a, a much clearer idea of the direction of travel, a chance to examine how they're going to do that over the coming coming months. But as supporters, we've now somehow got to make get some enjoyment, wring some enjoyment out of these these last 15 15 games. It's going to be the chances are we are going to drop out of the Premier League. Who knows when we will be back, is the the reality. I'm not being negative, Mike, pessimistic, Mike. Who knows when we'll be back? So... You know, I'm as guilty as anyone as sitting there thinking this is awful. I'm not enjoying it. I wish I could go home. But I think we need to really need to dust ourselves down now as supporters and try and somehow wring some in- enjoyment out of it. Whether it's sort of working together to to make a racket here at Vicarage Road, getting to an away game perhaps that you hadn't planned on, or bringing someone that you've talked about coming to a game and haven't made it. Let's try and make it positive for the last last 15 games. I remember that when we got uh, relegated in the, the Graham Taylor season in the in the Premier League, we had that famous banner away at Middlesbrough when we got relegated, Watford FC, we're out of your league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let, so let's try and sort of channel... It's our
0: turn next week, so if anybody wants to... the kids want to get out a bit of an old yeah. dust sheet or an old uh, bed sheet and a get bit of paint, Yes, yeah.
3: <laughs> That's not to say, that's not to sidestep the fact that I know there are there are people with serious concerns about what's happening at Watford and serious concerns about why we're in this situation. I get that, we get that, and we're, it's definitely going to be time for those conversations. But, but the bottom line is we give up our Saturdays and Tuesdays to come and watch the football because it's supposed to be fun. So let's try and together it's work out fun. how we can do it. Can someone tell the players that? <laughs>
0: yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> Jason, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back with another midweek podcast with Mr Alan Leventhal on Thursday. Uh, so we will speak more about this glorious f- football club that we have and we support called Watford. Football Club. We'll be together for the rest of the season.
2: Girls! Go! We're the Orns, you're the
0: Orns. So, as promised earlier, this is the interview that we did uh, on From the Recruit with Anne Swanson, uh, I think about four years, three, four years ago now. Um, and it was, I went to a house uh, just outside Cambridge uh, to chat to her. And, and you'll just hear, as I said earlier, you know, what, why she was given this accolade of having the family stand named after her. We talk about everything, but we start by talking about one particular Junior Hornets trip. It was a half term, and we went to Highbury to play in the JVC Centre. And on the way home, we lost a bit of the bus. Yeah, it was a double-decker bus. We were under a bridge and the roof came off. And there were many more trips like that for Anne and the Junior Hornets. This is the interview. Enjoy.
4: That was a nightmare. Thank goodness Stuart Peepenstock was up there. Get down! <laughs> well,
0: I saw, see, I always thought that was... I think David James on that trip.
4: I don't think we had any players with us on that no, one. Okay. We had players... David used to come to Wembley with us. Yeah. Did you ever come to Wembley?
0: No. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Um okay. coach... We used to go to Wembley. When I think of... You know, you can think back and I think, God, how did I do it? And when the kids parted, the family room was the greatest thing. Yeah. Once we got that. And they knocked it down.
0: Yeah. Right, so we start at the beginning. So, and how did you get to come to Watford?
4: My kids were supporters with Alan... And one day he couldn't go, so he said, "Would I take them? I'm not going to football. What do I want to go to football for? Anyway, I went, and my son was a Ross Jenkins fan, Jane was a Steve Sherwood fan, and I thought, well, who can I watch? So I thought, Luther. And I enjoyed it so much that after that I was hooked. Just one game. We stood down in the rookery. We didn't, you know, we were just casual support. Or oh, they went every week, but it was my first time. And then there was an advert in one of the programmes. They wanted somebody to work part-time in the office as a rep. So the kids said, oh, go on, do it, Mum, go on. So I applied for it and I got it without an interview because I'd always been going in the shop to get things for the kids. And one day we were walking up,
0: Occupation. Right? Yeah.
4: And Ian Bolton was in front of us and the kid said, Mummy, there's Ian Bolton. come and talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. Anyway, Ian turned round and Ian and I have been friends ever since. Yeah. He came to stay with me for one night and stayed for four months. <laughs> really? Yes.
0: Why is that? Why did he stay?
4: Well his marriage broke up and he oh. had nowhere to go, so I said, Well, Overnight, come to me, you're welcome. Four months later, he moved out. (laughs) But it was wonderful. He's just like a son to me now.
0: So when I turned up in 1986-87, there was already this family enclosure and family terrace. When did it all start for you, this family thing?
4: I started the family enclosure with Graham, and it was his idea to encourage families to come And they would sit there, and because it had to be a parent and a child, he said it was going to be expensive, so therefore things were cheaper. And people moaned, why did the family enclosure get this or that? And he used to say, because you've got to have at least one adult with children. Then it just went on. We used to put names on all the seats, and we gave birthday cards to all the kids, Christmas parties... Yeah. outings, going away, going out for days.
0: Now, I remember the Christmas parties in particular just been amazing evenings.
4: They were great fun. All the players had to come. It was a compulsory thing, again, from GT. And occasionally he turned up. It was great, and the players really got into it, didn't they? Do you think they really wanted to be there? Oh, I think they enjoyed it. And probably the they didn't one. want to go, but... Once they got there and they got the kids and they were so excited to sit next to a player, to talk to a player, um, can I sit on his table, can I sit on his table, nightmare. But the players got, I can remember Nigel and Luther being so competitive. You know, they all wanted to win. Yeah, it was good.
0: I remember going on the away trips and we went everywhere, literally everywhere. Uh, especially 86, eighty six, eighty eight, seven, eighty eight. The, the year after Graeme left, it was up early, cheap, and you know, a, a coach full of
4: kids. kids. We, we even took a coach. First game in the European Cup, Kaiserslautern, yeah. We took a coach there. We, you, you weren't. No, no,
0: there,
4: no, no. Yes, it was. They were good fun, and we did. I think we went to nearly every game. Mm. How um, evenings? Did you go to one where we were? Guests of another club in their family rooms. Again, beforehand, yeah. yes, and then we'd go and have a meal or whatever and then sit together, trying to encourage the children not to, that's my team, trying to be friendly off the pitch as well as on the pitch.
0: But that whole idea, the family enclosure, did it all come from Graham?
4: It was his idea to have this stand As I say, to encourage families, and in the end we were full and we had waiting lists. He was most insistent that it would only be Watford supporters in there and sometimes if a dad couldn't come, he'd give it to somebody and I can remember West Ham people being in there and I'm saying, no, 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 you'll have to go out and they didn't like it, but I was bossy. And I, you know, it was a rule and because GT sat in front of me on the pitch and sometimes, did you ever remember him turning round and telling me to get the crowd going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It was a very special environment um, that you created and it was amazing to turn up to and my friends at the clubs just didn't know how special it was. But it was special because you ruled that place.
4: I was in charge. Yeah. And I got into trouble several times because, you know, we used to sell sweets and things at the front so the kids didn't have to go out. And we sold them not to make a big profit, but as Graham said, as long as you make a little profit. And of course the people that ran the bars around the club didn't like it because I was selling the thing, Mars bars, much cheaper than he was selling them. But whatever GT said, I did. And if something wasn't right I'd go to him and say hey so and so and so and so leave it with me and he'd put it right so yeah if players didn't turn up and another thing I used to do I used to go to the hospital to the kids ward every home game and take a player or two and take them some sweets and when he Elton did the easter eggs I took easter eggs so that was another thing that you know we did.
0: You Work with some big players, some big characters, but particularly Graham, what was it like when you first met him?
4: <laughs> I was with Sue Chalk who used to be in the office and we went into town and Graham was there with his wife and I went up to him and said, what are you doing in here? And I wouldn't have dared do it when I went to work for the club when he got to know me <laughs> and when they got back. He phoned Sue Chalk up and said, who was that you were with? I want to meet her, and so that's how I got to know Graham. Yeah, um, He spoilt me. Did he? Mm. What do
0: you mean?
4: Yeah, because I did something he wanted, and I went to all the home games, away games, even before the family enclosure. I was a supporter, and, uh, yeah, he looked after me well.
0: But what about Elton? Uh, He was the height of his fame as a pop star. Um, Did you have to deal with him much?
4: I had to go to his house and take the papers for him to sign for him to sell the club to Jack Petchy. Really? Yes. And I sat in his kitchen waiting for him to come down and I said, I don't know why I'm bringing these to you because I don't want you to do it. So, look. Let me explain. And he explained why he was selling the club. Do you remember he had voice trouble?
0: Yeah.
4: And he said, if I haven't got a voice, I can't sing. If I can't sing, I don't get money. If I don't get money, I can't give it to the club. So I'm doing it for the club. Okay. I wasn't very happy. No. He came one day and gave Easter eggs out with me. We went on the pitch he knew everything that was going on. If I was on the switchboard and he'd ring up, he was Mr Chairman to me, and I just accepted him as the chairman. And when we went to away games, if he saw me, he'd come up and give me a hug. People used to look at me, how do you know him, you know? Um, and we had the garden parties at his house every year, which was another wonderful thing. And I went to backstage, he was at Wembley, and it was on my birthday and we'd had a do at the club and he said, what are you doing for your birthday? I said, I'm coming to your concert. Come down and have a drink with me before. And Alan and I went down, walked round. Where do you think you're going? I'm going to have a drink with Alan John. Don't be so silly. But I got there and he, was, he left his, my name, you know, so we went in. John, you should have seen it. It was like a palace. Persian carpets leather sofas that was when he was married to Renata
0: but of course you also had to deal with the players coming to Junior Hornets events what was it like working with them they were
4: my boys Luther used to call me his white (laughs) mum
0: right
4: when John Barnes got married his dad stood up in one of his speeches and thanked me for looking after John yeah I got on well with the players I went to Tony Colton's wedding Luther's wedding, invited to Ian Loman's wedding, John Barnes's, yeah you know they were all special and I'd have done anything for them and if they wanted anything you know they'd come and talk, oh, it was lovely.
0: And the players liked doing all the family stuff not just because Graham told them.
4: Yes but I think a lot of them did it voluntary because I suppose I had a way with them and I was like a mother, wasn't I, I? lot older. Les Taylor was another one. They did come and they did the smashing job. John McClelland was a wonderful example. He'd do anything for you. Colin West. Oh, you can go back, all oh, the names come back. and Yeah, yeah they, were, they were super. And they were approachable in those days. Nowadays, I think there's too much money. And you feel as if they're over there. But with our boys, and especially with Graham, I mean... It, they were his players, Watford, Town, it was their players too, you know.
0: So when Graham left uh, Mr Bassett took over, did it become a bit
4: more difficult? Uh, it wasn't so easy. I didn't have the same relationship with Dave Bassett as I did with him. Steve Perriman was good, he was cooperative. Uh, but when I tried to say, this is what I want, you know... It was harder work than when it was with Graham. He knew what we were doing and he'd do it, whereas Bassett, it was something new to him, and with Steve Perriman, I suppose, but he was good. And then Kenny came, didn't he, for a little while? But then those days, I don't remember.
1: From the rookery end.
0: When I went to Anne's house, I took with me the handbook, Watford handbook from 1987-88, one of the first ones I had, and in it were lots of pictures of everyone who worked behind the scenes, including Anne, uh, and she looked through it so fondly of all the people she worked with. But then came to certain people, uh, important people or people I knew, uh, I asked her, such as Tom Wally, the youth team coach, under Graham and under Dave Bassett at this point.
4: Oh, it was lovely. Oh, yeah. When he had his testimonial, I reckon every morning before eight o'clock he was on the phone. What you got to tell me? <laughs> what you got to tell me? <laughs> What's happening? Have you sold all those tickets? Da, 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 da. But he was lovely.
0: Also, Les Simmons, the legendary groundsman at Watford.
4: Oh, he was a character. Oh, just he was a one-off. Oh, I mustn't tell you too much about No, that, you can tell me what like. no I can't <laughs> because it's it probably not. No, he was just lovely, devoted to his ground.
0: Oh! There you are. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Transferred from the Metropolitan Police, and... yeah. Did I heck? I left the police in 70.
0: When you look at those people, what was it like to work you know, behind the scenes at Watford at that, at that point?
4: Well, it was the commercial department and the admin department. One lot were down by the rookery with Mr Plumley and we were up the top with Mike Sullivan at the time and then Ed Cohn came and Caroline Gillis, who she's not in here. We were two separate officers and again, because I got on so well with Mr Taylor, really I was just the odd one out. <laughs> Nobody knew what I was doing. I used to i and always was in it just after eight, drop the kids off at school, and like you, and uh, do my junior hornets, then I'd go off and do what I had to do,
0: and, yeah. And then, say so you, know, you know, it goes through to the, the players. There's one player back here, like, I remember. I remember having a birthday party. Well, the, the family room. Yes. Now, I know that Graham ran the... Marathon for, for the, the Terrace. terrace. But how did that come out then, the family room?
4: We got sponsors. People gave us money. Lots of the supporters donated money. Businesses. There were some very wealthy people in the family enclosure. Um, and I, I don't know how much we raised, but you know it. Mm. It was lovely. And it was hard work trying to get money. but. I'd got the cheek of old Nick, come on, just give us a few bob, you know, and then we, when Steve Perriman opened it, we invited all the people that had donated to come. The kitchen was outstanding. We had a wonderful kitchen, and I think the furnishings were nice, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The idea was that that would be used for a lot more things than it was.
0: So I remember going there on match days, but we also had the junior hockey in there,
4: yes, and then... The idea was, were you there when we had the billiard table? Steve Berryman's brother, yeah, billiard table, tennis table. I think it was brilliant. I'm just going back to the days, mm. but I wasn't there long enough. I think it came too late in the in my career at Watford.
0: It must have been what ninety one.
4: About that. Yeah, yeah and I remember
0: Graham coming back.
4: And I England left manager. in 93. He was the England manager. He came to the Junior mm. Hornet evening as yeah. the England manager. Jack Petchy came to one of his Junior Hornet evenings, which surprised me. I didn't think he was... But he had a method because he wanted his grandson to be a mascot. And I did the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was lovely, John. It was just... I'm just so proud... Of what I achieved for the club, not for me, really for Mister Taylor, and I still called him Mister Taylor, right to the end, and I still call her Missus Taylor. Yeah. I saw her at the Newcastle game, Frita.
0: Um, the other thing that you mem- I remember before, just before the um, family room, was uh, the Panini sticker hut.
4: Yes, that was Bobby Moore, was the bigwig in that the Bobby Moore mm. and his daughter Roberta used to come and bring the stickers and, and Bobby used to come now and again yeah that was a good thing
0: Did it make money was
4: it oh no 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 cash? no it was just to uh, exchange because kids spent fortunes oh, yeah. on them and they wanted to get so they'd bring in six or seven and swap them or they would buy some and then swap them it was, it was good yeah. my daughter and um, another one ran it yeah, yeah. forget about those things, it's nice to hear ideas of somebody that goes back that far and remembers well, I'm 80 now, 82 and I don't remember everything but now you're jogging my memory and I think oh yes I remember that yeah oh, I loved it going up to the shop a few weeks ago and a lot of the Junior Hornets came and it was smashing.
0: Because I've got, there's, if you look at my phone, the, since I, um, I, I put it on there actually when Graham died, but the background picture is my Junior Hornets badge. Because um, I've still got it. That's my, that's my, that's my Junior Hornets badge.
4: Good, on good, one of the original ones. Now,
0: was, were you part of the design of that? Do you remember it being born? No, I don't
4: think Ed Cohen did it, I don't know. No, I didn't design it. I, I, I can't tell you who... I would think it was Ed Cohn. OK. Or maybe GT, I don't know. It certainly wasn't me. I'm not... things that went out in your packets, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do, do, you, have, do you keep... Have you to think you've kept at the time? No.
4: When Bloor had that go at me and I got rid of everything to do with Watford, everything, I had... Luther's England shirt, the shirt from Kenny from his Welsh, Mo Johnson's Scotch shirt, Gerry Armstrong's Irish shirt. I got rid of everything and what a fool. Oh, I was so hurt.
0: So, what ha- so to explain that. So what, what, so when you left, what happened?
4: Well, Blow just made it, he banned me from the ground. I wasn't allowed to go to um, Nigel Gibbs' testimonial game. Because what happened, I used to work long hours and I was only paid for, I don't know 20 hours some days i you know when I went to the away games that would be a long day and so I used to keep the time and have it off in the close season with the kids, Blower didn't approve of that and he just made my life hell, he was jealous because I think I was quite well liked at the club.
0: Okay, what was his
4: mission? Marketing manager. Oh, yeah. And he brought another fellow with him. I shouldn't be talking about him like this, should I?
0: What's well,
4: your story? But uh, in the board, uh, not the boardroom, the guest room, he'd come up behind me and say I'd said things. <sighs> it's horrible. Anyway, I left and that was it. I never went back until... They got in touch with me. So what was that? In Ninety-three. So,
0: 20, so twenty-five years almost.
4: Yeah.
0: Was it that? Even though with your with the with your, you know, family being for fans, did they not keep going?
4: Now Howard's now goes to Arsenal. My grandchildren obviously follow Daddy. We've all went on the Newcastle game. All the Swansons were there. It was lovely. They were upstairs in the posh part, and I was in the captain's bar with my son and two grandchildren. Um, no, it, it hurt, and it took me a long time to get over it. I lost my mother, and uh, i had some time off, and then he told me I didn't bother going back. So, it was sad, John, it was sad, but then GT wasn't there. I don't know what would have happened.
0: See, I remember it must have been near the end of Basset Dave's time there. You coming to tell us off on the family terrace because all the kids would gather at the bottom, bottom.
4: left. Yes.
0: And all the dads were up at the top, the top having their chats or whatever. And we were chanting like almost like a Basset Out chant. And you came and told us off.
4: Really? Oh, yeah. And obviously, that, <laughs> that would have been from Graham Taylor's days, don't you? Yeah. And I know I came on there one day. And all the dads were at the front. And I said, hey, 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 no, 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 no. Children at the front, dads at the back. But people were very good. They did listen to me. <laughs> oh, I can't remember that, but, yeah. yeah. I think
0: we'd like to pass it out, pass it out. And
4: that was kids doing it. Yeah,
0: well, I think that's why. That's why, why you came I, and told came. us off.
4: That's um, not what we're about.
0: Yes, I think that's pretty much what you said, yeah. Yeah, that's not what we do. But, but how were the other clubs at that point working with you? We had our junior Hornets. We oh, were the only ones, but we had to special.
4: It, it was wonderful because they kept ringing up different clubs. Can we come and see you and can you come to us and show us what you do and tell us what you do? And I think I more or less went all round the first division as we were then and the uh, FA used to have meetings for you know us and we tried to start a, a committee to do it but it just it fizzled out because the clubs got greedy and wanted money for those 50 seats. But Excellent. up to that, you know, even Liverpool used to, you know, we went to Liverpool we didn't play matches with them but they'd give us the seats or I think we stood a lot in those days.
0: I remember one trip to Luton away where we were the only Watford fans. And it was like we'd already been... It was a, the Bassett season at the end, it so had gone. And we'd already been relegated. And we were the only Watford fans.
4: We took a coach, didn't yeah. we? But Luton, I know there was a bad feeling, but Luton chap and I got on very well. I can't remember his name now. Um, we used to have matches with them.
0: But We, we went into one end the ground and then they moved us all
4: that's right
0: why did they do that do you remember was that? it to give us seats i thought we had seats anyway i just wonder if we were in the wrong place and we were causing
4: oh probably well maybe we I, I, john i can't remember th- okay. th- thing. don't forget you were excited at me yeah, yeah, there and yeah. i was just sorting it out wonderful did you come to stoke and then we went on to blackpool no Oh, we had an out. Oh. went to see the lights and half the kids were asleep. Yes, no, I think
0: I do now. I think I was asleep. Yeah. And we
4: got back about one in the morning or something.
0: Yeah, I think I, half, I do remember that.
4: We went off, we played games at Stoke. Stoke always gave us a nice meal. And then we went off to see the lights at Stoke by <laughs> the time we got there. Looked round the coach and half of them were asleep and then <laughs> certainly by the time we got to the end of the lights, I think everybody was asleep.
0: Oh, yeah. big memory is of, of all, all the way back from Arsenal being on the top deck. Yes, that was the, horrific. The, the roof coming off.
4: And that was a sl- uh, short cut. Debbie came with us on the coach. I'll take you a short cut way to avoid the traffic. Oh, the This noise. Gee... And I had one little boy, I can't remember his name, I can see him. He wanted to go to hospital cos he was injured. I said, you're not going to hospital, you're not injured. I thought, how am I going to sort all you lot out and have one kid go to hospital cos I'd have had to have gone with him? Anyway, that was all right, but wasn't it awful?
0: Yeah, but then we went to the police station round the corner, didn't we? That's right. How long were we there for?
4: I had to wait for another coach to come and pick us up. An hour an and no, a half. He off.
0: wasn't injured, that
4: boy. No, he wasn't. No. Injured. In fact, I think he was one of the junior Hornets that got hurt when we played Portsmouth. Because I ended up in the hospital within that day, so I think he was one of those that just good job <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah. Did he come to the tennis when Joe Dury came? No. Hired a tennis court. Yeah and the Junior Hornets came, and David James came. don't know whether it was Solly, but anyway, somebody else came, Will Frostron, and uh, Joe Jury came down to coach them, and then we went off to the Army Barracks. Did you come on that one? No. You know, we had a few good outings. Yeah. It seemed as if we were always asking for money. I know the, the Junior Hornets coaches were subsidised, subsidised, so they got cheaper. And because we had free tickets, yeah. it was a good day out. Yeah, and this is where sometimes, <laughs> who does she think she is, bringing all these, you know... A few nasty remarks used to fly around, but just held me head up high and got on with it.
0: You know, there's always this thing about, you know, times have changed. You were in a very male-dominated World. industry... How was it working like that? Did you have lots and lots of problems? None. Pl- of None. Problems?
4: No, because... Uh, <laughs> sounds big-headed. But I was respected. Oh, she started the family enclosures, you know, and the people at the various clubs had copied us, so they all were respectful. Hmm. Oh, no, I didn't have any... No, I can't ever remember having any trouble... At, any grounds. We went to was it not Birmingham? One ground and the coach took us where they dropped us off. I said, no, 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 no. You can't leave us here. I'm not walking up the road with all these kids. Go back and drop us at the ground. Well, it wasn't heard of. And Mr Harrowell came just after that and said, how did you manage to get the children dropped off at the ground i said because i wasn't going to walk with them well done i suppose that was the police in me wasn't it yeah. i wasn't going to walk through the streets with my kids and anything happened to them no
0: there's no messing with you was
4: there no that was black and white it was white <laughs> <laughs> but i bent the rules for my kids you know for the junior Hornets and for my players
0: so like you say you talked about um looking after Having Ian at your house, Ian Bolton at your house for, for a good couple of months. Were you, did lots of players come round or was it?
4: Oh, Because, yeah. you know, like I
0: said, that, that mothering.
4: Oh, I do. You were the
0: mother of the club. In,
4: yeah. In, in, many in lots of ways. A yeah. um, lot of them, I can remember John Barnes coming round for dinner and telling Howard off because he didn't eat it all. Your mother's cooked that now. You sit there until you've eaten it. <laughs> Pat Rice's been, there's Taylor. Steve Sherwood. Well, a few of them used to come round.
0: And you saw a lot of, lot of the, well, the boys turn into
4: to to, men. Yes. You know,
0: Nigel and Gary. Gary. Peter. You know, what was it like sort of seeing them change? Um,
4: Barry Ashby and all yeah. that, that. Well, Jane, David Jane went out with Barry Ashby for a long time, 18 months or so. I um, used to go to all their games. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> I can remember saying to GT one day, when are you going to put Steve Sherwood in? Go give him a chance. And <laughs> do you want to put the team sheet out? No, I'm just asking when he's going to be <laughs> given a chance. And we went down to Aldershot for an evening game. I'd been invited to go and see their family room. They just opened it, and I was in the box with Elton and GT and all of them. And Taylor came and he said, "I want, I want to introduce you to somebody." So I went. Chairman of Aldershot. Everybody thinks I run the club, but I don't, it's her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the sort of thing he'd do to me. Yeah. I-, I wasn't frightened of him, but I was very, very respectful. I'm say, that- Cried my eyes out the night he left. We went up and had a few drinks upstairs. Oh, I was heartbroken yeah. when uh- he went to Aston Villa. Oh, dreadful. He was yeah, wonderful. He didn't stand any nonsense... And he knew everything that was going on. How he did it, I do not know. He knew everything. Great man. Rest in peace. Bless him. You know, I can't go from here to Watford, the drop of a hat. You know, I've enjoyed what I've seen and the old heart goes, you know. Because we sit near the commentator's box... It's a long way, I have to look at that. And everybody jumps up, and I can't see the goal or anything because the time I stood up, everybody sat down again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's the atmosphere, and I love it when they start singing because they used to take the Mickey out of the junior uh, early family enclosure because we used to go, What for? Da, 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 what for? And then they would take the Mickey out of us. But Taylor liked it get them going, get them going. Yeah. Did as I was told. He stopped me from smoking. Don't like people that smoke, so I stopped for him. He was God to us, you know. He's just fantastic. Yeah. What will always be good is that what he did and
0: what he defined what you did...
4: It's still, still there, there. Yeah. and people remember it, yeah. and that's the main thing. You say Watford, family enclosure. Yeah. Watford, Junior Hornet. <laughs>